0: To Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach Nikki Lee. Today we are going to talk about polyamorous relationships. I found today's guest on a blog where I found quite a few interesting guests. Other guests that I found there were people like Lady Shepsa, who I bet you remember, Mariah Freya, and Eo, who was here just recently. So, just you know, no, no pressure from today's guest. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> A handful of pretty amazing people. Like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) So so today's guest is Grace Bryant. Grace, it's great to have you with me today. Thank you, Nikki. Whenever I get a newsletter from from Mariah, I have to I, I read through it. And I'm like, what awesome info is she going to have today? And I was looking through the different information, and and I saw your your article on there. And of course, then once I get to the bottom of the article, I said, Well, what else has she got on here? I got to see what else she's got to say, because I love the the depth of the information that you shared, and the perspective, and it wasn't just your typical kind of surface information article, you know? Because most of the articles out there about poly relationships is just kind of just got kind of your surface information. You know the same old, same old, recycled kind of stuff. But you got into a lot more detail, which I really liked. Because I mean, I've I've read the, the typical information. I've read the typical article, and I've had I've had another guest on that that covered a lot of the the usual stuff. But I like that you got into more detail. And and really dug into the topic, and that's that's what I like to do on here. So I was like, you know, I need to talk to her. I need to find her. So I started digging around, and I found you on Facebook. (laughs) I said, "You got to come on. (laughs) We got to talk, and we got to dig into this." Yeah, it's a juicy topic. Well, it is. It's a fun topic, And, and it's a topic I think I think people sort of have pre preconceived ideas about, you know. And I think I think both people that. Are, are sort of involved in people that that have very negative ideas about it both have preconceived ideas okay. and I think I'd like to kind of clear it up for both both sides on the issue to, to get a better concept so I, I think I think you're a great person to do that with so I'm, I'm looking forward to today's conversation and I'm really interested to see where the conversation goes because I, I kind of know where we're going with some of this stuff and some of the questions I'm going to ask you I'm not sure where we're going to go. <laughs>
1: oh. It's, and it's a very such an open-ended topic, and depending on who you talk to, you're going to get such a different perspective, or many,
0: many, many different perspectives. Right. Well, that's well, that's one of the things I like about it. You know, I like the fact that there's no one set answer for so many things. You know, and then I think that's going to come up quite a few times when I ask you questions that that there's there's no right or wrong answer. It depends on the people involved, and that's one of the things I really like about it too. You know, that that it, it depends on. It depends on what's right for the people that are involved. Let me tell the listeners a little bit more about you. Grace is a relationship and sexuality coach. She's a retreat facilitator and yoga meditation instructor. She's currently residing in Seattle and often ventures to wherever in the world her work is desired. I love that. That is so cool. It's like I, I joke that I have laptop, will travel wherever I need to be. Yeah, home is where your backpack is. That's it. She's been a whole life educator for nearly two decades. And, you know, I've looked at your picture. I don't know that I believe that. (laughs) Integrating drama, music, movement, meditation, and yoga, mindful living, creative play, teamwork, conscious collaboration, and leadership. I love that list. That is so cool. Her yoga path began in 2005 when her sister dragged her kicking and screaming to a yoga class. She she fell in love with – I meant to ask you how to pronounce that –
1: uh, Shavasana, relaxation. When you do nothing.
0: Oh, oh, there you go. Okay, <laughs> came back just for relaxation. Okay, now that I need more of. Let me see. And her favorite classes are those that expand consciousness and also incorporate how to live with more awareness, trust, and compassion. She leads coachings, classes, discussion groups, workshops, women's groups, and retreats in the Pacific Northwest and abroad, with a focus on living with an open heart. With the support of her teachers and worldwide communities, she continues to unfold into a deep sense of peace and trust and hopes to share this in her teachings. I love that, unfold into a deep sense of peace. God, that just sounds so cool. <laughs> so, we're going to have fun with this. We really are. For listeners that may not know, and like I said, I've covered this on, on the show before, but for people that don't understand, let's start with the very basics. What's mm-hmm. the difference between monogamy and polyamory? Very simply, in a monogamous
1: relationship, you choose one partner. In a non-monogamous relationship, you have the possibility of being with more than one uh, partner or lover. Okay. Um, And so usually that involves a sexual connection, but a lot of people don't choose to use that exclusive definition, that it means like multiple sexual partners. It means the possibility of opening to multiple expressions of love that's not contained in just... Two people together.
0: Multiple expressions
1: of love. I like is actually the translation of polyamory. Amory doesn't mean sex; it means love.
0: This is true. Okay, so expressions of love. What could that mean?
1: That could mean friendships where you cuddle. That could mean relationships that are intimate in the ways that you share conversations. Right. Um, so with, with people in my kind of polyamorous tribe in Seattle, there's this understanding that there's space in relationship to be in any kind of relationship, whether or not that involves explicitly sexual touch. And I think this is one of the misnomers of polyamory, is that polyamory means promiscuity. So if right. I want to not just be with one person, it means I want to have sex with a whole bunch of people. Whether right. I do or not, that's, that's kind of my business. I want to have the space to be able to just connect to people in a way that feels authentic. And something that you said, Nikki, was it really depends on the people.
0: Right. Every relationship depends on the people involved. True. That is so cool. Well, I like that because so many people like to make it like being polyamorous just means you have to have, I mean, you, the whole goal is to have sex with a lot of people. And, and I, don't, I don't get that that's what it has to be. Because it can, it can be so much about having, I mean, it can be, but it can be so much more about having a, a connection with people, a, a deeper, more intimate connection with various people and, and mm-hmm. how you choose to act on that with those people. I like right. yeah, I like that cool. when
1: you kind of find yourself open or polyamorous, it means you get to explore that connection. Um, whereas in monogamous relationships, there are often, you know, very set boundaries around you can talk to this woman in this way, but you can't talk to her in this way. Right. So it's just the space to be able to say what kind of a relationship is this going to be and to allow that to evolve and change over time. Relationships don't stay the same either. They are they're constantly changing.
0: Right. Well, they should, they should evolve and change. And yeah, because I mean, as human beings, we should evolve and change and grow and Otherwise, we become stagnant, and who wants to be stagnant?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> and
0: you know, I'm, I'm, you know it, it's it's
1: amazing. To that.
0: Well, it's amazing the people that feel like they it's wrong if they aren't stagnant. I mean, I don't think they realize they're stagnant, you know, because they expect their life to be the same day in and day out, and and if it does change in some way, or if you suggest, you know, maybe you want to try something different or unusual with your partner. Then they look at you like you've lost your mind or, oh, I can't do that. It's like, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, we've got comfort, we've got complacency, we've got contentment. So yeah, but definitely people kind of get into a rut in a relationship, and we do the same thing over and over
0: again, and this is what there is space for. Not no, come on, people, take this off. I don't understand people some days. <laughs> well, and I tell people even... Even if the topic of the show, like even if you're in monogamous relationship and you're happy in that relationship, you could still listen to this show and you could still learn some things. You know, because like, you know, if, if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you've got to have open, honest communication, okay? You've mm-hmm. got to have very open, honest communication Right, and the thing is, so many people in monogamous relationships don't have open, honest communication. So right. that's something you can actually learn from polyamorous couples. So there's things that we can all learn from one another by opening our minds. You know, yeah. I just think we can, we can learn things from one another if we stop being judgmental. It's all <laughs> I can say.
1: I totally agree with you. There's also this
0: interesting... Um,
1: comparison people make like sometimes to serial monogamy, you know, people who have maybe a two or three or four or five-year relationship and then they end that relationship and they go right into another two, three, four-year relationship, but the same problems tend to come up in each of those relationships. And so right. people say, you know, I'm, I'm really into monogamy, I need it to be this particular way, and yet it's this mold that just kind of cookie cutters into the next relationship and the same problems are there and then the next relationship the same problems are there. And so opening the terms of those monogamous relationships can sometimes help you to see where those problems are lying and how to introduce things, as you were saying, like
0: conscious communication. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sometimes it's good to look at, if, if you have patterns in your relationships and things keep going wrong, maybe it's good to look at that and say, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong and should look at this and make changes. Seeing the same one over and over again. Usually you want to look back at yourself. (laughs) Yep, that's not a bad idea, but, you know. So, you know, I I found some really interesting quotes in your articles I was looking over last night. I I like where you said, definitions are important not to categorize, but to make sure that we're speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. I love that sentence. This is so good. So make sure that, that like, that's, that's why I wanted to start off with explaining what monogamy and polyamory or non-monogamy is to make sure that people understood what we were talking about from the beginning, otherwise they're lost. So mm-hmm. You have you quite a few sentences I really like, and we're going to share those as we go along. <laughs> so Okay, now, now most now, people should understand. Let
1: me just say something about that definition. It's about saying when you and I say the word relationship. What do you mean, what do I mean? When you and I say the word conflict, what do you mean and what do I mean? So are we coming into
0: conversations with the same vocabulary? I use relationship broadly, and I don't think everybody does. Because I don't use relationship just as like a romantic relationship. Do you? No, no. And
1: I was teaching a workshop earlier this year with my partner, and um, we had everybody do this exercise, come up with a common definition of the word relationship. Um, and it was fascinating, you know, because there were people that were really micro-focused on a particular kind of relationship, and then we got really macro-focused on um, anything interacting with anything else, and does it have to be animate, and does it have to be a sentient being, and does it have to be able to communicate, and...
0: Oh, wow, and, okay. Okay, and, okay. well, yeah. I, I at least limit it to, to, like, people, relationships.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that helps limit the, what we're talking about. <laughs>
0: Okay, for the purposes of this show I consider it being people interacting with one another. <laughs> so That sounds great. Now we have a common
1: definition. We
0: can move forward. <laughs> okay. okay, for the purposes of like life it could be it can be much broader, but for this show I'll keep it to just people. How about that? Right. So. <laughs> it isn't necessarily intimate or sexual relationships. Yeah, I like but I, I you know, honestly for relationships in general, I think it can be any sort of relationship. Because any, anybody we, we, we interact with and um, yeah, interact with on a regular basis, we have a type of a relationship with. Now it may be just friends, it may be business, it may be neighbors, it may be family, it may be more intimate. but we have a relationship of a sort with that person. But I know a lot of people just, just jump to romantic when you say relationship, but mm-hmm. I, I, just, I think we have other types of relationships with people. But, yeah, as soon as you say relationship, people give you that look, and you're like, no, no, that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know, you know. <laughs> so. Now, partnership, while we're talking about definitions. Partnership. How do you define the partnership? It's
1: a really great question and a really important question. Um, for me, a partnership is someone that I make Life, choice, life choices with, okay. whether that's choices around where we're going to live or how we're going to craft a certain um, part of our life. So for me, there's kind of an evolution of relationships from a lovership where we come together in some sort Love of an intimate this. setting to right. now we have a, a commitment. So I'm planning to see you again next month and next year and the year after that. Um, and let's start to plan things around our lives together. It doesn't mean we're going to become domestic or move in together necessarily. It could, if that's the turn the relationship takes. But to me, there's kind of an elevated level of um, commitment and agreements and some life decisions around the evolution from lovership to partnership. And I, it's a, such a good question because I, my current partner, I asked him this um, last year when we first started dating, and he was using this word partner kind of to describe all of his lovers. And I had to step back and say, oh, I think that's a really different, different definition than my definition of partnership. So when we dove in and started to say, what is it that we're talking about when we say this? We found we had, we had really different ways of talking about things. And so if we had let it continue that way, it might have created some miscommunication. Like, who are you talking about? And what kind of a, of a relationship are you talking about? And what, right. do, I, what do I mean to you?
0: Right well I love I love your, your phrase lovership I never heard that before but I love that phrase mm-hmm. so what's what's the difference between a lovership and a partnership I think it's that same
1: level of commitment like there, there is an elevated level of commitment and a level of I'm going to show up in your life because you've invited me to and I want you to show up in my life like Maybe you're going to meet my family. Maybe you're going to become a greater part of my community. Maybe we're going to plan travel together next year or something. Um, but in my life, loverships kind of are more fluid. Okay. Like, whether that person lives uh, here in Seattle where I'm currently living, so maybe we'll get together um, every couple of months if they're a lover, maybe a little bit more than that, but with a partner, there is a, a much regular, more regular communication, and this understanding that you know, I'm not gonna make a big life decision without consulting you.
0: Right. That kind of thing. So so a lovership would be more casual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay. I just I, I'd never heard lovership but I looked at it and said, Oh, I like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, when I first heard it too, I was like, that makes so much sense. Yeah, And and it's funny, I find people in in the poly communities, we don't use the terms like boyfriend and girlfriend so much, and there's gender stuff around that too, but um, I was talking to someone who is uh, married and monogamous recently, and he said, why don't you just say boyfriend? And I said, I don't know, there's just something about that word that feels kind of adolescent and feels kind of um, superficial, whereas like partner to me really means something concrete, and lover, it maybe just feels like a more grown-up word than boyfriend or girlfriend.
0: yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, yeah, it just sounds so sort of like high school, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that hasn't felt right since like my twenties. It <laughs> just has, mm-hmm. you
1: know. And I yeah. think we adopt the language of our communities. So, so in yeah. the poly community at large, we use these words, lovership and partnership. And I was just looking at the definitions on your website of all the different monogamous and polyamorous words, and um, that's a really good dictionary that you
0: have. Yeah, I love that list. It was uh, that was put together for me by um, by Wendy. We we did a show on polyamory together, and she put that together for me because I just I wanted something for listeners to look at because it it's kind of overwhelming when you first hear all these phrases coming at you. And I said, okay, I need something for people to look at to you know wrap their mind around. So mm-hmm. she put it together for me and did like a little background on, on when some of them came into being and that kind of thing, when people started using them and all that, so. And that was the purpose of my, relation, my relationship
1: structure article as well, was if you're thinking about this, here are some ideas. It's not, it could be just a free-for-all, but when you're moving from a monogamous structure to a non-monogamous structure, it can be nice to say, let's try this new structure to right. give you a little bit of support in the relationship.
0: Right. Well that's that's what I like because I mean it, it shows that there I mean it's it's not a free for all. There actually there there is organization to it. There is I mean there there is an idea behind it. This this is what's being done and you know there is thought behind what's happening. Yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I know. This this
1: really has been done for thousands of years, whether or not people talked about it openly. But it, true. it can be as loose. You know, I'm in some relationships that really our intention is to be non-identified and to not kind of put labels on things and, and really just to keep things fluid as our lives change. And then there are other relationships where it feels more like, hey, if we have a little structure and just call it this, it just feels a little bit more concrete.
0: Well, I think, I think some, some for my taste go way overboard, like the, you know, you, you can't do anything if you don't get an okay from me first. That, that's a little mm-hmm. too much. You know, it's like you know, you can't you can't kiss anybody, you can't do anything without getting my okay. That that's come on, people. You know, have a little trust here. You know, but then some of them, you know, just do whatever you want to. I don't care. That that's a little too much the other way. So I mean, it it, it kind of depends on on what, like I said, just you know, set set the boundaries that are right for the people that are involved. You know. Yeah. And you're also bringing up
1: the point of agreements, creating agreements in your relationship where, you know, these things happening are okay, these things happening are not okay. So what are right. the agreements that we've set? That's incredibly important when you're throwing away the confines of a traditional relationship. And and traditional relationships and monogamous relationships still need agreements and boundaries. And yes. they still need those to be exclusively or, um, explicitly communicated. Um, right. But especially when you don't have those particular boundaries to have agreements around what is okay with um sexual practices with other partners and with new people that you meet and yeah that's really important
0: yeah yes very true well and you know it's it's really cool because on on my um my website for the radio show my original tagline was live laugh love and embrace your sexuality and i really like that i like alliteration so the live laugh, love was was really cool and and i really want to encourage people to embrace their sexuality because i think so many of us and, and this defined me for decades didn't feel comfortable doing that i was like you know mm. i was i was raised with that whole repress your sexuality kind of thing you know, don't talk about it don't think about it mm. you know so so the being able to feel like like it's okay to embrace your sexuality is just huge for me and i, mm. I really want to encourage other people to do that and but then i got to this point i said you know I, as I started learning more about the, the alternative relationship opportunities and options and understanding that there actually are such things you know, I got to the point where I said, you know, I think something I really need to focus on is helping people understand that this thing that was drilled in our head for, for our entire lives that you have to, you know, go to school, graduate, go to college, get married, have two point three kids and you know, be in this relationship and you know, and until you die or, or you know, if, if you get divorced feel as like you failed. This this isn't how it has to be. There are unlimited options to what a quote unquote relationship a successful relationship can be. People need to understand that. You know, people need to understand there are unlimited relationship options that are acceptable. And what they need to do is they need to find the relationship option that's right for them and the person they love, whoever that person may be, or multiple people that they love. Mm-hmm. So, so what I did is I changed it to helping you find the relationship that's right for you mm-hmm. has become the new tagline for my website. Because it's, it's just, it's, it's got to not be this thing that's been drilled in our head that's the cookie cutter that has been out there for centuries It just doesn't work for the majority of people. Yeah, making yourself fit into a box of what society wants is never going to make anybody happy.
1: And Um, I think a realization that, you know, the relationship or relationships that were right for me in my 20s are different than what's right for me in my 30s and will be different than what's right for me in my 40s. Exactly. said about having a successful relationship, can we change the definition of that too? That doesn't mean I have to grow old and die with someone. I've had really successful relationships, but we've chosen to end because right. we right. got the value out of that relationship. We showed up until it was like the value was squeezed out and we were no right. longer right
0: teaching each other what we needed to learn. Right. Well, like I said, that that cookie cutter ideal that's been drilled in our heads, that's just not the be all end all. It's just not. I think we need to understand that may have been the ideal supposed ideal but you know what? That's just not it's just not right. And we need to understand that. So anyway, that's become Amen. one of my Thank you things for the work you do in the world. <laughs> that's one of my that's why I changed the the whole tagline on my website and I'm I'm kinda of easing people into that. Trying to ease yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I had you on the show today. Just wanted to make sure you knew that. So Thank you. That was my little my little subtle way of starting that message. <laughs> so, okay. Now you've got another thing I found on your article, the figure outable I love that word. That's not a real word, but I still like it. So <laughs> it's called an Open concept relationship, and it is really cool because a friend and I were talking about something, and you actually described it beautifully with this. So what is an open concept relationship? It says, in this model, the option exists to have multiple partnerships as well as loverships. This can work whether there is an established primary partner or not. If so, then an agreement has been made that new partnerships can be just as important as the established relationship. If not, then there is no hierarchy set up for new partnerships or reestablishing past relationships. This would also include an equal trio or quad or any number of people in mutual relationship. Right.
1: So one of the, one of the things I wanted to break down was hierarchy in this right. article. Interestingly, this is, a, this is something that's come up in my current relationships as well, and I think it's something that, that kind of always comes up with the evolution of relationships in in this kind of like in an open concept relationship where it's not um, I have a primary partnership and everything kind of satellites or revolves around that right but there because anything coming up anything new can be just as important as the existing relationship and I think this can land for people in a number of different ways if if everyone involved in my metamores and my partnerships and my loverships is okay with that, you know, nobody wants more than that from me, then this can feel really good just to be able to be with whatever it is. For somebody that's looking for a little bit more structure, who's, who wants to say, you know, this relationship is this, this relationship is this, which, which can be nice to have that definition, to have that structure. Um, then this might feel a little bit kind of too free love and open and things moving around all the time. So I think it depends on if, if you would prefer structure in your relationships or if you would really like them to be fluid and, and just move around as things come and go. Because relationships can shift so quickly and the relationships between all of your
0: relationships can shift quite quickly as well. Very true. Well, that's, that's the thing with it because each each set of partners can set their individual boundaries for what those two people need, you know, and it doesn't have to impact everybody else. That's the beauty of it. I just, I love that. I just, I do. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah. And you're right. It doesn't have to impact everybody else. It also can be really nice to know, you know, in this lovership, it's important for me to know what your boundaries are with another, with maybe a primary partner or another lover because I want to be able to meet the agreements that you have with that person. I want to be able to fit within the boundaries that you have with your other relationships. And I also really need to be able to communicate what my boundaries are, what my established practices are, especially practices around safe sex, around right. emotional safety, around trust and communication. So do does my partner want to be in communication with my other lovers? I had right. something like this come up earlier this year where my partner ran into one of my lovers somewhere and said, oh, I'd love to just have a conversation with you and get to know you a little bit. And they were kind of like, oh, gosh, are we, are we like meeting each other? Are we, am I supposed to be somebody? Is there like a role I'm supposed to play? And he just, he just wanted to know them a little bit better. And, uh, and, but we hadn't had that communication of like, how am I supposed to meet your partner?
0: Right, so right. It's this, this interesting, what's the fluidity? What's this relationship between these two people? That would be interesting, I would think.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, and other times where other, like, my partner's shown up with another lover and they've just fallen into really natural conversation around things that had nothing to do with me, which was really nice. You know, they were they had their own relationship on their own terms.
0: Right. Now, you know, you made a statement, I think, would probably shock most monogamous people, just like because of some of the, the misconceptions about... about um, Polyamory. When you said, "I truly love the interconnectedness of non-monogamy," hmm. I mean, did, don't you think that would shock people just because of the way they? The, the, yeah.
1: They have. Yeah, and those those preconceived notions usually. And I'll say the biggest question I always get is, "Don't you get jealous?" And what do you do about the jealousy?
0: Right. You know, the
1: assumption that I'm always going to be jealous when my partner is talking to, or kissing, or connecting with, or sleeping with someone else. Right, um, and I'm not going to lie and say I don't. It certainly happens. It certainly happens that my mind makes up all sorts of stories. Right. Um, and in those moments that I can connect with my partners, partners, and when I can really have compersion for them, um, you know, when I can be in love with their love experiences for other people, when I can have compassion for their joy at connecting to someone else, and how that makes them feel more alive. I, it's a pretty magical interconnectedness. I can't... I mean, if you haven't experienced it, it's it really breaks through so many layers of what a relationship is supposed to be.
0: Because I've, I've heard that from, from several different people that I've interviewed about that, and nobody's been able to explain it. They've all, they've all <laughs> expressed that same thing, but nobody can explain it, That which is interesting.
1: <laughs> so. and, and again, it's so different in every in every relationship Um, so I'll give you an example my um, a former partnership that I was in he had this established agreement with a previous uh, partner of his that um, that there was this hierarchy like we were talking about the open concept relationship so his previous agreement was um, you are the most important no one else can ever grow to be as important with me and so when him and I started dating I said is that a rule that we really need? I understand you've come with this agreement from a previous relationship. What if we throw that out the window and see what happens? Of course, I, was, I didn't know I was asking for something when I said that. Um, so he met someone else about six months later, and that relationship grew to be as important as our relationship was. And in that time period of about six months when that, their relationship was growing, it was, it was such a beautiful time for me to get to watch him fall in love. Interesting. As, I've, I've, as I've heard that as an observer and as a witness, and to see like this person I love so much to see them in the process of falling in love and being titillated and being excited and, and the newness of that because right. I think this is this is a challenge people have is you know you only fall in love once and that fades away and then the relationship is just um, the logistics of living together or having kids or whatever um, to get to. See See that fun and newness and excitement and the, the shininess and the radiance of someone who's in the midst of falling in love, and then they get to come home to me and share that newness with right. me. Right, right. It's just
0: it's just this, this profound magic. Okay. You know, I think a part of that is, and and I've I've had a lot of people. I think like one of the. T- even even in monogamous relationships, I think one of the ways where it comes up a lot is when people complain about their, their partner flirting with other people, and they get all ticked off about it. Mm. And one of the things that I've I've said even in those conversations is, you know, as long as you know, as long as I'm getting what I need emotionally, emotionally, and on other levels from my partner, that doesn't bother me. I don't care. Flirt flirt as much as you want to. So I think it's the same the same basic principle. As long as the person is giving me what I need, sharing that person with another, with another it's not that big of a thing. You know, mm-hmm. make sure that I'm getting what I need and, and, okay, there's another level to that, too. I have to trust the person, mm-hmm. okay, and if they're not disrespecting me, mm-hmm. those are very important things, too. As long as I'm not being disrespected in the process, as long as I know I can trust the person to, mm-hmm. to respect boundaries, and I'm getting what I need from the person, then I can. Then I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too much to ask from a person that, that should love and care about me, right? No.
1: And if those things are not happening, that's a really good time to reevaluate exactly your desire to stay in the relationship. Exactly. Something that happens when we choose to be in conscious relationships, whether it's monogamous or non-monogamous, is that it you're on this learning curve of like this constant evolution like you were talking about before of, you know, right. growing and changing and, and that can be really challenging. And I think sometimes people mistake if there's a lack of trust or a lack of respect, like, okay, well, I'm going to stay in the relationship because I'm growing. Right, right. Very true. That base of respect and trust
0: needs to be there, first and foremost. Exactly. Well, those have got Those should be the cornerstone of any relationship, no matter what it is. (laughs) You know. Yes, yes,
1: with your boss and your coworkers and your mom and everybody. Yes,
0: we we like to hope so.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) You got those. There's all kinds of possibilities. So, yeah, I'm I'm creating a series of workshop uh, workshops with. My partner, we have an organization called the Path of Unconditional Love. That's just helping people to uncover how to how to be on a path of unconditional love, how to discover unconditional love, which is a real thing, even though it is. I don't necessarily believe in it. As I was say, it's kind of it's, rare,
0: it's, but, it's, it real. Is,
1: but it, it's possible to grow it. You know, just like it's possible to grow your spiritual practice or your trust in someone. So Very we're creating cool. a, a workshop that's called Building Trust and Agreement. So it's recognizing that building trust is an incremental process. And that rebuilding trust is an incremental process. So, you know, having something does go wrong and the trust gets broken in a relationship, allowing yourself the time to reestablish the trust and to build that back up again. While you're not trying to push each other's boundaries and edges, like staying in that safe area for a little while.
0: Awesome. So what do you think is the best thing about polyamory? For me, the best thing about polyamory is Getting to be
1: my full self, like getting to show up as my absolute full self in all of my relationships. And then having different parts of me be, kind of come alive with different partners. You know, with one partner, maybe my yoga is a really important place that we really connect. And with another partner, we don't connect on yoga so much, but we connect on travel. And with another partner, I really connect on music. Um, So I get to really express all of those things fully and have them come alive in me in different ways as they're met with other partners. Ooh, I that's like really that. That's my favorite thing.
0: Okay. All right. Because different people bring out different parts of us. So, that's I yeah. like that. Okay. And we find ourselves with different groups of friends and different communities, and
1: that happens in our non-intimate relationships. And in our intimate relationships, things are just a little bit more heightened. Right. So, getting to experience kind of the heightened sensation of that. And... Um, yeah. interesting
0: okay I like that okay so how does a person transition from a monogamous relationship to an open relationship other than very carefully how, how does it very a person... carefully
1: <laughs> well, You said it before Nikki you said communication 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 that is a number one um, right. a friend of mine uh, Janani Hale she wrote an article on Omuni about this So, if you're interested look up um, opening your relationship on Omuni and you'll find a great article it's talk about everything you think you might ever come across in an open relationship, and then keep talking. <laughs> <Exactly>. Imagine <laughs> all the possible scenarios, and then keep talking about it. And what you'll find is that there are so many little tiny corners and nooks and crannies and things that could happen that you would never even imagine, but then happen. And if you start to practice being able to communicate about the things that are uncomfortable, and the things that you really don't want to say to your partner, if you start doing that before shit goes wrong, because right. things, things will go wrong, then it, it's like that's a skill that you'll have practiced and you'll be ready right. to do it. Because things are going to go wrong and things are going to hurt and things are going to change and um, you know, there is the possibility for miscommunication, a big possibility for miscommunication. Number one, number one, number one. Um, I would say number two is is to start. Sometimes people start talking about opening their relationship and then it's this theoretical thing for a long time. And then when somebody does make a connection with someone else, it's it's like we weren't quite ready for it because we spent so much time talking about it. So do communicate and talk and talk and talk and then just start and figure out if you want to you know, start going to new communities to meet people, or if you want to meet people in a bar, or if you want to meet people in a yoga class, or if you want an online date. Um, and really communicate with your partner, too. Here's how I want to start meeting other people, and see if that's
0: okay with them. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes you talk about something for so long that it just, you can almost overtalk things sometimes
1: yeah and another piece of that is recognizing that your time is going to shift you know if you're used to spending five nights a week with your partner and all of a sudden you have another lover or another two lovers then that time might diminish with your primary partner so true True. time and energy deciding how you want to spend your time and energy and and being willing to communicate around that
0: what does showing up authentically in relationships mean
1: Such a good question, and I think something we just don't really talk about in relationships. We talked a lot, and and you talked a lot, Nikki, when you were talking about your your tagline of creating the relationship that's best for you, um, about these boxes that society wants. And we, we craft personalities and we craft ways of showing up in relationship that kind of fits inside of that box. Well, I think this person wants me to be this way and I think this person wants me to do this thing. And when I meet their parents, I think they want me to do this thing. And, and so we build this image of ourselves that we think is what people want, us, want to see in us. And showing up authentically is choosing to break down all of that stuff
0: and just show up exactly as we actually are. So in order to do that, we have to know who we really are. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And who we really are is not a fixed thing.
0: Ah, that's true. Because,
1: you know, the ways that you identified yourself when you were five and when you were 15 and when you were 25 and so on and so on, they're completely different, so recognizing that showing up authentically doesn't necessarily mean showing up as a trait of your personality or as a particular identity or as a relationship coach or a talk show host or a, a banker or whatever it is that you do with your time, you know, showing up as a polyamorous person, whatever that identity might be. So it's also choosing to look beyond all of these particular stories that we put on ourselves, which create limitations, and say, what am I
0: beneath that? There you go. That's, that's what I tell people. It's not, it's not always what the world sees. you got to dig deeper to figure out who you really are to find your true authentic self.
1: Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's an exercise I like to do in my workshops where we we feel into different emotions. So, so for example, with your eyes closed, taking a few deep breaths, imagine um, a situation where you feel like your boundaries have been crossed and you, and you feel that kind of discomfort whether it's in your gut or in your chest or like your muscles start to contract and tense. and then you let that go and you feel into a situation where you feel totally joyful maybe it's you're seven years old and it's the last day of school or maybe you know you wake up on a Sunday morning and you have nothing to do and it's a beautiful sunny day or whatever it is that just fills you with that sense of joy that your body's totally relaxed and your heart feels alive and it's learning to trust that intuition of your body in the moment. So showing up authentically means when your body gives you a response of, this is creating tension. Okay. Then figuring out, is it that I feel like I have to be somebody that I'm not right now? Or is, am I in a situation where my boundaries have been crossed? Or can I relax and show up as whatever I really want to be and not what I think I'm supposed to be right now. You know, I think my partner wants me to be more professional right now, so I should be that. Well, that doesn't feel good to me. So how can I really show up in a way that's not somebody else's impositions or my expectations of that? The big part of it is dropping expectations.
0: I like that I, I've been talking about doing an entire show just on on being our authentic self, and I really really want to do that. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I'm gonna do one of those. <laughs> I would love to keep talking about that with you for sure. our, our an entire hour on authentic self because I, I just mm-hmm. it's something that like I said I think I think people have a surface idea of authentic self, but I really want to just dig a whole lot deeper in that and, and get get people to to like I said, just really dig for their authentic self because I think I think it would be a very very much pun intended revealing show to say the least (laughs) I I like to play with words what can I tell you (laughs) it's a great 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 idea and I
1: think it's, it's kind of a trendy word right now showing up as your authentic self but you're right it's so much deeper than just
0: yeah well, there's so many things that that they get to be trendy and it, it gets to be like little crutch phrases and and people see a surface side of it, but it's that that is so much deeper than that it really really is to get the real meaning of it and that's the kind of thing that you you don't need the surface thing you you need to dig for it so interesting okay now when you when you talk about speaking from the heart not the mind and listening from the heart not the mind, tell me about that. So our minds... That's another one of those digging kind of things. I like the digging things. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, and I think it's incredibly
1: important to have um, an authentic relationship, a place where you can show up authentically, to be able to speak from the heart and not the mind. And, I agree completely. I, one way to know the difference easily is if you're, if you're vacillating about something, if your mind is going, well, maybe I should do this, maybe I should do this, I don't know, maybe I should do this, then you're in the mind because the mind is going to try to rationalize, it's going to try to say what's the best thing for me you know, financially and economically and logistically and for my future and all of those things because the mind is always going to be in the past. Reliving experiences are basing um, current decisions on what's happened in the past or it's going to be in the future. right? But when we're in the present moment, when we're here and now, and listening to this authentic uh, intuition of the body, then we have the possibility to trust in our heart and to trust in this moment unfolding right now without necessarily the, oh God, what's my future going to look like? Or how has this happened in the past? Okay. And there's there's a very simple exercise where... Again, you can either close your eyes or just drop your eyelids a little bit, take a few deep breaths, and bring your attention down into the heart, into the center of the chest. And then take four or five breaths there, and then come back into whatever the situation you're in is, and feel into the difference of your perspective, if it's a decision that you have to make maybe that your mind is kind of racing around and has all this story around, oh, God, it should be this way and it should be this way. That's another way to know if you're using the word should or supposed to, then you're probably in your mind because the heart doesn't should on itself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Okay.
1: So speaking and listening from the heart means that we, we don't believe these stories of the mind. And the stories of the mind are often caught up in worry and fear and distrust and what if what if, what if, what if, that means we're in our mind for sure. And when you do this exercise, you come down into the heart, you take a few breaths into the heart, and you may feel kind of an expansiveness or a relaxation in the chest and the shoulders and the spine. And that answer that you hear that you didn't want to listen to, because often... We know what the answer is. You know, we ask ourselves, oh, should I do this thing or what's going to happen if I do this thing? And the mind is going to just circle around all of these different possibilities of answers. And we know intuitively, well, the best thing for me really would be to do this. But I don't want to say that. I don't want to admit that. I don't really want to follow that because it's going to be hard. So learning to trust the heart is saying, you know, it's okay if it's hard. It's okay if it's different. It's okay if it's not what everybody else thinks that I should do but I'm going to trust in this, this intuition and what my authentic self is saying. And another piece of it is, is opening when you want to close. So when you're feeling defensive, when you're feeling offended, when you're feeling like, oh, this person shouldn't have done this thing to me, or it's just un- unfair whatever is happening to me, it's opening into the moment as what it is and trying to let go of those stories. So what if this situation was just exactly what it was,
0: without all the stories that my mind is creating around it right it's hard to shut the mind off sometimes because it'll it'll be telling us stuff that just has no relevance to what's really going on it's, it's hard to hard to shut that off sometimes it absolutely is and doing
1: these practices every day is really important having a meditation practice or yoga or tai chi or martial arts or something where you give yourself the practice of shutting off the mind regularly is we, we can't ask our systems to change without
0: actually creating the change. Exactly, exactly. We've we got we to gotta put in the work to make these things happen. So,
1: As I teach in my meditation classes, you can think of the mind like a puppy. You know, you bring home a puppy on the first day, that it comes to your house and it doesn't know what to do, so it's going to chew up all your things and pee everywhere. And sure, you could be upset at the puppy, but who's, is that going to do any good to the puppy if you get angry? Is it going to do any good for yourself? You can laugh at the puppy and then work to train the puppy. That's it. But if you don't work to train the puppy, whose fault is that? It's not the puppy's fault. <laughs> puppy came so, to you just as it is. So. Exactly. So, And that's exactly what it is with the mind. We have to train the mind. We have to teach the mind, which is, you, we haven't taught, you know, we've let it run in circles and, and make up all of these stories and these impressions and these, um, these fears and these worries for our whole lives. So we have to start training it we have to drag it back to the papers we have to drag it back to the heart we have to drag it back to the present moment again and again and again and again with compassion and joy and a smile is very helpful that's it well that's like that's like
0: so many times uh, i'll talk to to a client or a person and they're like well i'll do such and such when i get a partner and i'll do this mm-hmm. when i get a partner and this will happen when i get a partner and it's like you know and i tell people you know do the work before you get a partner and then you're more prepared when you do find a partner you know then you're bringing something to the relationship and i was i was reading an article the other day and they said you know don't go to a new partner in a new relationship empty handed which is basically mm. what you're doing if you don't do the work before you find a partner you know right so, do the work i love that phrase when i saw that i read that i'm like oh wow i love that that's that's just so accurate because you are you're you're going to a new person empty-handed and saying okay do the work for me you know here i am Woo, do it do it for me you know you know do do the work on yourself spend the time working on yourself getting to know yourself and i don't just mean you know live on your own and, and pay the bills and whatever Really get to know yourself on a deeper level there I go again I know <laughs> you know but but get to know what you need what you want from a, from another person what what do you need you know what do you need to be happy and not just I want lots of sex you know what do you really need from a person <laughs> to be happy you know see she laughed I, I got her <laughs> you
1: know. Nothing wrong with lots of sex.
0: You know, oh, yeah, that's a given. You know, but what else? What else do you need from a person? You know, so then when, so then you'll know what you're looking for. Then you know what you need from another person. So you're gonna know what kind of person to look for. You know, do do all this stuff ahead of time, so you're in a better position to find the kind of person that you want to find a relationship that you need. Yeah. You know, but and I, if I just you think I did,
1: happiness is gonna come from our partner. We're gonna be miserable again and again and again.
0: That's right. You, that, and people people wonder why they keep looking for a relationship and they can't find one. It's like, well, because you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, I just I, I read that. I don't even remember where I saw it. I, that. Jumped so completely off the page of me. I, I don't remember where I saw it, where I read it. Nothing. That that just that resonated so so much. Like I said, I don't even remember where I found it now. But I just I love that. There's a
1: really, uh, a really great book that I read about 10 years ago called In the Meantime by Ayanla Van Zandt, who's incredible. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's exactly about that. It's like, oh, I'm crying for myself because I'm not in a relationship or my partner dumped me or whatever. And she's like, get off your ass and do the work yourself. Yes, but Nothing is going to change in your life because of someone else. You yes. have to do the work. And then you can show up in a relationship prepared to continue working. Yes, exactly. Continue seeing yourself.
0: Exactly. Well, the thing is, if you were in a relationship and the other person was doing nothing, you'd be upset. Or you exactly. Shouldn't. So, so why why should you show up in a relationship and expect the other person to do all the work? I mean, come on. So, ah, you okay? <laughs> yes. yes, and yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, just new new relationship energy. You kind of mentioned this, but I want to kind of go back to that for a couple of minutes, for a few minutes there's there's two ways to look at new relationship energy first of all you kind of want to explain what it is and then we'll talk about the two different ways that you can look at that sure So, new relationship energy
1: is uh, I mentioned it when I was talking about that that feeling of compersion or that feeling of being excited about the, the your partner or your lovers new love um, a new relationship energy is it's just that feeling of like that and that excitedness when you meet someone new and there's that like, oh, what's it going to be, and that anticipation and um, uh, yeah, that, that feeling of the unknown of a new relationship. Right.
0: Exactly. Well, when you first meet somebody and you, you don't know what's going to happen or where it's going to go and you just, you know, that wow kind of feeling. So then, then when, when that happens, and, and from, from a poly standpoint, you know, you can either you can either, you know, appreciate that and then, you know, it you can either um, have a desire in your, your existing relationship, okay, so then you can you can find a way to use that to to enhance your, your current relationship or you start comparing your your partner's new love and then comparing that to what you've got with your partner and, and start feeling like some insecurity. So so how can a person use this this new relationship energy in a positive way if they're in a polyamorous relationship. It's a and great question. Saying that well, good yes, okay, yeah,
1: you're absolutely saying that that perfectly. Yeah, when we when we are in an existing relationship and our and our partner or our lover comes home and says, oh, "I've had this new connection. It's so exciting." Um, I, I believe this also speaks to if we're in our mind or if we're in our heart, because if we're in our heart, we're going to feel that compassion and compassion literally means feeling with um, we're gonna feel that same emotion that empathy of oh, you're so excited I can be excited too this is this is such a fun falling in love you know anticipatory time for you right. or if the mind starts to get in the way and goes oh my gosh am I still special this relationship is going to make me not special I am compared to that person well he loves this thing about this person more than than they love it in me and this thing about them is more connected, and, oh, everything's just going to fall apart with us. So being in the heart allows us to just feel the joy and the excitement that that person is feeling. Um, being in the mind is going to create separation and comparison. And if you're the one who's coming home with the new relationship energy you're coming back into the existing relationship, there are some really important things to do to keep the sacredness and the specialness alive in your existing relationship really acknowledging the things that, that are unique about the existing relationship. And maybe those are things that aren't in this new relationship. You know, my partner and I travel is something that's really important to us. And when he meets a new partner, maybe that's not a spark that he has with this person. So we can kind of focus on this, this piece that's really alive for the two of us, that one of the things that makes our relationship really special. Um, another way is, is creating some agreements or some boundaries. So if A former partner and I wrote this in my article, um, we had an agreement that when one of us went out with someone else, we would immediately come home, take a shower, and then make love. Just to re-cement that, to bring that energy into our relationship, like, oh, I could feel the joy and the love that you have with whoever it was that you were with, and that joy and that love and that deep connection that you and I have. So we're not going to start to drift apart because of your new relationship. It's actually going to bring us even closer together.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I saw that. That's, I like that, that idea that you're, you're actually bringing that excitement to one another. So it's a good idea. I like that.
1: I think that excitement's going to come anyway. You know, if I've been with somebody new and I have that excited energy, I can't separate that. You know, I'm, I, I don't. You can leave the story at the door. You can not talk about the new relationship if that doesn't feel good to your existing partner. But I'm still going to be carrying that energy with me. So why not take that into your lovemaking? Why not take that into your deep intimate connection? Right.
0: Makes good sense to me. All right. Interesting. See, I just, I knew we were going to have a good time talking about all this kind of stuff. <laughs> we're almost out of time. What's, what's something I forgot to ask you about? So do people always start out as, as in a polyamorous relationship or, or is this something that maybe they evolve into over time or does it just depend on the person? Uh, it totally
1: depends on the person. It depends on life circumstances. I think it depends on exposure, like you were talking about, Nikki. Like
0: oh, that's true. Recognizing
1: there are different ways of being. You know, when I first heard about poly... I was so adamantly close to it. I would just sat there with my arms crossed and my face all furled up and I was like, This is I would never want to do this. And then the next thing I knew I was in a polyamorous relationship. I don't even know how it happened, but it was like the seed was planted and uh and it just made sense. So I didn't become poly until I was about twenty
0: seven. Um, do you think I you're had- more that you didn't really understand or I mean, I had
1: never heard of it. And then when I did, it was kind of presented by a boyfriend in a way of like, hey, there's this other girl that I also like. What if we, and I was like, nope, <laughs> near her. That I'm not even interested in that. And her and I were so much alike that I was really jealous of her, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. That does so, Yeah. So it was,
1: I had heard about it, but I was not interested. Monogamy was, you know, that was the model that I had grown up with. That was the model that everybody I knew had grown up with. And people right. who lived outside of that were really um, strange. Uh, there was, yeah, and there was a lot of talk <laughs> behind their back, I would say, in my house growing up. Like, if anybody was was outside of the traditional model, then, then there was a little talk behind their back. So hmm. it was in a centric community that I learned about poly. And um, when I came back to Seattle, it just happened, and I became poly, and then it uh, it's just been a natural evolution for me. And I think it's something people, again, are exposed to right. and realize, hey, there is something different. Do I want to give this a try? So it definitely can be gradual. But with, uh, with another partner of mine, um, it kind of just happened because she was in love with someone who was poly. And so okay. that was, you know, do you want to be in this relationship? This is a polyamorous relationship. monogamy is not an option in this relationship.
0: Right. Well, that would make a difference. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, how, how can the listeners find more information about
1: you? Oh, go to my website, BeWholeBeHappy.com, and uh, I have a blog, and uh, I do relationship coaching and sexuality coaching and, and offer tools for becoming more whole and becoming more happy.
0: All right. Sounds good. And I'll definitely have you back. we got to find something else to talk about, so we will do yeah. that. Let's talk about showing up authentically. I love that. I
1: think we should do that. I think we need to do that. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Nikki. It's been really fun talking to you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And listeners, I'll see you next time on Ready for Love Radio.